My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located in California. And effective about uh, two weeks ago, Real People USA LLC is a national campaign advisor for governors, uh, people running for Congress, and people running for the state legislator. Tonight, we have a returning guest to the Real People USA podcast. His name is Ruben Young, and he's a Republican congressional candidate in District 23 running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And, uh, and he's also running against, surprisingly, the Broward Miami-Dade election officials. And if that were not enough, he's running against a number of operatives seeking to see Ruben leave the District 23 congressional race. Now, I, I know that was a mouthful, <laughs> but yeah. I want to wel- welcome Ruben to the uh, Real People USA podcast. How you doing, Ruben? Hey, uh, good evening, Rick. Uh, glad to glad to be back on the uh, podcast with one of my favorite uh, hosts, and uh, one of thanks for letting me come back on to talk to your your listening audience. Man, and man, this is going to be another one of those informal podcast interviews. We got a lot of talk, lot to talk about. But the first yes, thing I want to talk, <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about, and my first question is how was working on the Youngkin campaign that delivered a needed Republican victory in one of the most solid Democrat strongholds? Well, uh, it was very refreshing. Refreshing. We had uh, had a good team. When I first got there, it was, it was somewhat kind of off balance. But I wrote the campaign, the Youngkin campaign. I emailed them. I gave them some suggestions. Uh, as far as boot being boots on the ground, since I used to, I used to run a promotion teams with a security company by the name of uh, ADT, and I was one of the sales managers, and I had a, a team of nine people that I would take out, take out into the uh, to the field and train them and show them how to deliver a good solid script, uh, so you can get the the type of uh, sales or reward, monetary reward that you deserve when you spend about eight hours out in the field each and every day. So, you know, uh, I was brought up there and I worked in the uh, Sophic, I think that's what I'm saying, Norfolk, Norfolk, uh, Sophic area. That's the area that they assigned me. And I think that's the area that was delivered uh, that had not had the type of delivery for a Republican in over 20 plus years. So I was, uh, I thank God Rick for being a part of that team, but we hit the ground. We hit the ground hard. Uh, we was uh, surveying the uh, people in the uh, in the area, finding out uh, who was for Yunkin, who was against Yunkin. And at the same time, uh, come up with, coming up with a winning uh, a strategy to take him over, uh, take him over the top. So I was, uh, I was, I was very, I feel very good about that win because I'm committed to making sure that Republicans get in office. I know that a lot of people say that a lot of us, we talk to talk, but we're not walking the walk because, you know, a man walks the walk through his actions and they say actions speak louder than words. And when I see people say to me, oh, we're going to take back the house, we're going to take back the house. That's now just becoming empty words to me because their actions don't uh, their actions suggest 
otherwise. When I when I say otherwise, Rick, you have to sometimes put your money where your mouth is. You just can't talk a good game. You have to walk a good game. And that's what we did with the Youngkin campaign. And I think that being a part of the team, it, uh, it led to the victory that you see now in the state of Virginia. So I told people that Virginians win with Youngkin. Let me say it again. Virginians win with Youngkin. So it was a very good experience, Rick, and I was glad that I was a part of it. Excellent, excellent. And um, my next question is, uh, and oh, before I move to the next question, I want to also let people know that that area, Virginia, I mean, you had Northern Virginia, which is which was a significant Democrat stronghold with a lot of uh, government uh, employees. You have a lot of agencies where the people who work in Washington, D.C. Uh, and Virginia, Northern Virginia, they pretty much for the most part has they have controlled Virginia elections for a long time, like you said, 20, 25 years. So kudos to you for the work that you did. And we're going to talk more about what has been set off with the Youngkin victory and uh, Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor, and the another Hispanic uh, Latino Latina uh, victory that was also uh, down there. So here's my next question. When you were down there, what was the mood of the Virginia people while while you were talking with them after years of this communist-like leadership? I'm talking about, you know, maybe not, not five years ago, but in the last two to three years, we've seen this push uh, toward communism in cities like we've never seen before. What was the mood of the Virginia people when you were asking them to vote for Youngkin? Okay, now, well, that's a good question. Uh, the mood that I I picked up when I was there, I felt change in the winds. I felt that the people had gotten tired of being used, abused, have been lied to by Democrats, uh, told one thing and saw something different. When you start talking about, about people's children and what the system is now going to do to a person's child, you know, we have, we have, uh, parents have ownership. Parents are the first line of defense. Parents are the defenses that protect their families, that protect their wives, their husbands, and their, and their children. And when you forget about that, we lend ourselves to be governed. We lend ourselves for you to assist in uh, helping us educate our children because the better prepared children are, the better equipped they become and the better uh, employment they can have, which generate the taxes to, to make areas self-supporting and self-sufficient. So government are limited uh, and governments are, are derived by the consent of the people. So, you know, the move in Virginia to me because I was able to go back and forth. I was able to go to, into the white communities without uh, issues. And I was able to go into the black communities or into the hood where a lot of, of the other canvases uh, didn't want to find themselves going into some of those areas and some of those very bad areas. But because I've been, uh, I have a knack of getting in and getting to know people, I got a, I got a very diverse feeling and some of the comments that was being uh, uh being spoken of about uh young kids 
starting off as a maintenance man, a janitor, and rising to the uh, CEO status. You know, uh, that was something that a lot of the Virginians, uh, they want to see people, uh, ordinary people from coming from the bottom up instead of from the top down. Because how can you represent people? And this is what a lot of people were saying. How can you represent me when you, when you don't know my experience? How are you going to represent me when you don't know my problems or my pain? How are you going to represent me when you're not even from this country? A lot of people, they connect well with the Youngkin message because it was about issues. It's about those issues that mean the most to the average American. So I felt people were happy. They was excited. Every area I went into, whether it was in Chesapeake, Virginia, or whether it was in Virginia Beach, or whether it was in Suffolk, or whether it was in Norfolk, the mood was the same. And when I went into the inner city area, and I began to canvas and fire, and I, and I start talking about Yonkin and telling them, telling the, the, the uh, black Democrats why I support Yonkin. I, and, and my message to them was a totally different message. I said, he started from the bottom, now he's here. He started from the bottom, now he's here. And black people relate to that because that's, a, that's their experience. That's our experience. When you see somebody make it out of the ghetto, or when you see somebody make it out of the inexperience, I mean, inner city, that's a connection. And that message connected well in the black community for Yonkin. And when you go into the other area, you say, well, he started off as a janitor, and he raised to the level of CEO. He's a self-made, hardworking man. He started from the bottom, and now he's here. That message also resonated. So I felt great, and, I, and, I, and then that moment, that moment, Rick, I knew that Virginia was going to get Youngkin, that Virginia was going to get a Republican. And I did everything I could do those seven days or those six days a week that I stayed out there eight hours, stayed out there nine hours, wanted to ensure that we get this man in, we can start a rippling effect throughout the whole nation. And that's where my mind was. And believe me, and believing in God, he made it happen for Youngkin. So I'm telling Virginians, you are going to win with Yunkin. Very Absolutely. good experience, Rick. Very good. So, so before I move on to the um, the question about consulting, what did that experience in Virginia uh, show you, teach you, or reveal to you about how you're going to run your campaign down in District 23, Broward County, and uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, Miami Dade? Well, the, the, what the Yonkin campaign taught me was that Republicans are looking to connect to a message, and they connected well to the message that Yonkin was talking about, of uh, parents having, uh, uh, having the choice or control over where their, children, where their child is being educated, standing up for the small business owners, advocating for strong small business support because small businesses are the gasoline that run the engine. Standing up for the rules of law. Standing up for our constitution. Standing up for our gun ownership rights. Standing up to for law and order and the safety and the security of our, all of our communities. We connected well in Virginia. And if we as a, uh, as a candidate uh, or as a party 
If we can get the, that, the exact same message going across this nation and connecting our Republican Party, connecting our candidates, because when we run, we must run with one step at a time. We must run this three-legged race together. And that's what I learned with this Yunkin campaign. It was a very good strategy, a very good boots on the ground strategy, a very good canvassing strategy that was put in place, going door to door, identifying and connecting with the message, asking the people their concerns and trying to find out how can you make their lives better. And one thing I've learned, don't mess with our guns and don't mess with our children. And when you see Democrats saying the opposite, putting out the opposite message, trying to, their messaging was exact, the exact same type of messaging that they've been putting out for the last 20 to 40 years, trying to build a campaign on division, trying to build a campaign on what they call racism. You know, I get sick and tired of racists talking about racism because a, a colorblind society we look at the good from within each and every one of us but a racist look at the good from the outside of us and this is why we can't move forth as a nation and this is why we're that we're being able that we're we're now being overpowered and overthrown by division or racial division so the Yunkin campaign taught me that if you stick to the script, if you stick to the message, and if you join together with a coalition, because we had flyers that also had fears on them. You saw them running as one. You saw them running as a team. And this is what I want in District 23. I want this district to be just as viable, to be as just as energetic, and to be as just as committed as the Yankee campaign. Because if we win District 23, that would have another rippling effect across this country because this too is a democratic district. This too is a democratic stronghold, a stronghold that has been put in place since Debbie Wasserman show took power in 2004. And because she has this, the alleged assistant, assistant of Christina White, who's Miami-Dade County supervisor election working day and night to keep her in power because this is like a click here in Miami-Dade County. And I believe that if we can do the exact same thing that Yuckin did in Virginia, we can break this stranglehold and we can bring the relief that this district needs and we can bring the unity that this district needs and we can bring the messaging that this district needs to carry us on into the election of 2022 and our step towards taking back the house and restoring law and order, and restoring the rules of law, and supporting our, our police, and defending this constitution of these United States of America. I think that's what the Yunkin campaign taught me. That's what I came out with that experience. And I thank God that I was part, made part of that history of having been a part of a winning effort, a winning team, the same as we did with Donald Trump. They tried to create division, but that did not happen in this campaign. No matter what they tried to do, whether they brought Barack Obama down, 
uh, Joe Biden down, Kamala Harris down, uh, any other those, any other those high power, so called high power Democrats down who specialize in cheating, who specialize in overthrowing, who specialize in election figurey and election fraud because they have no message. So they have to revert to these things. That's what I walked away, and that's the experience that I will live, that will stay with me for the remainder of my life. And I thank God for Glenn Youngkin. Amen to that. And I just want to let listeners know that uh, the Youngkin uh, example was at the same time spreading in different parts of the country. Uh, Seattle elect, elected a Republican a city attorney uh, here out in the West Coast in San Francisco. The San Francisco school board got rid of, you know, three communist like school board members and replaced them with the. Uh, with the you know with the conservative type school board members we have a school district in, in calaveras county which is in the central valley toward the uh the, the mountains that that voted five to zero to get rid of the vaccine mandate and there's there have been other victories by republicans in new york state uh there's some that happened in, in florida and others that happened in other areas of the country now now ruben this next question now this next question it's going to be kind of sticky, you know, and we're going to talk about uh, these consulting groups uh, like I'm one of them. I'm, I'm a consulting group. And I just want to ask you this question and you can answer it any way you want to answer it. And the way I'm going to ask you this question, it's going to be very simple, is are all consulting groups equal <laughs> in how they support GOP candidates given Democrat candidates they have no problems raising money. And of course, Republicans, GOP, we have a different battle. But are all consulting groups equal? Well, um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and answer that question as truthfully and as honestly as I can, I can Rick, because you asked the question. And that, to me, uh, no. The answer is no. You have a lot of consulting groups. They're not in it to help a Republican candidate win. They're in it to help a Republican candidate help them help themselves. Uh, because you know, they take these new candidates who've never run for office and they uh, act to, uh, they act like they're selecting you. And then when they so-called select you, they put you into a contract. And then when they put you into that contract, they now own you. They now own the right to contact people on your behalf to raise enough money to pay themselves salaries. Uh, this is the scheme. This is the game, the pimping game that they play. Because I come from the inner city, so if I make uh, use terms, the terminology, uh, in referencing uh, uh, my form of expression, then I ask you to forgive me. But what I see that most consultants do. Uh, if they're not they're not committed at all costs. They're not committed to helping us take back this house. Uh, they're committed to helping their own pockets. And it is a shame when you have such talent. You have so many consultants out there taking advantage of these candidates, taking advantage of making them uh, pay down these high fees, and you're trying to raise money. You're trying to put yourself in a position of winning. You're trying to raise the, the capital that you need to take on the beast. 
or to take on this Goliath. Uh, but you can't get there when you know when, when you are now starting out unless you are born into money. And I got yeah, I wasn't born into money. I come from humble beach when you had to eat uh, the same food, the same type of food each and every night because you could not afford your family could not afford uh, to eat filet mignon of steak. So you had to set up for ground beef and pork and beans and or meatloaf, uh, or spaghetti. Those are the type of meals that I had. I was accustomed to growing up as a child. So I, I know about people trying to take advantage of someone who who's not in a position to help themselves. So no, not all consultants are equally committed to taking back this country. Uh, not all consultants are out there seriously, seriously trying to help candidates win. They're only trying to help themselves win. And when uh, my experience, is, uh, I had consultants that briefly tell, telling me, and it was very disappointing, that I need to consider switching my race because one of my opponents has my opponent has raised a million dollars, and this opponent is a professional uh, candidate. This person getting races and never commit themselves to really, really wanting to win the election. I think that she's working with a Democrat to keep Debbie Wasserman Schultz in office, to raise enough money to scare every other Republican candidate out of the race. You know how they do it. She's not known nationally. She's not known locally. She's not known across this country. But every time you look around, she's able to raise a whole lot of money. You never see her take position. You never see on anybody's street corner. You never see her holding up a, a sign uh, talking about something that's wrong. You don't see her any time until there is a race against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And then she appears and get all this money. And then they tell you that you're because this person has all this money. You need to consider switching your race. You know, I can tell you something. I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it uh, for the because. I'm in it for the cause. A lot of people are in it for the because because they have to get paid. I'm in it for the cause because I'm here to make a difference. And it's not about money. It's about what's happening in, in District 23. When I go throughout this district and I see the amount of homelessness on the street, when I go out through this district and I see all these small businesses barely making their ends meet, when I go up throughout this district and I see poor people, Poor people on the street begging for, uh, for a, a, a leg up. Leg up. Now, I ain't say hand up. Begging for a death for somebody to show them a better way to move forward. Uh, making sure that their rights are protected. Making sure that their civil rights are protected. Making sure that their human rights are protected. Who's going to speak up for them? It's not going to be my opponent. So when I see that these consultants, are out there going towards the money, wanting you out of the race because they want to tap into this this other opponent's of money or into this person's pocket because that's what it's about. It's about the uh, it's about the B calls and not the calls. Like I said, I'm running for the calls and not the B calls. So you know, we're not all consultants are, are committed. You do have consultants that are committed. And the consultant that I, that I find to be committed is you. You're one, oh, of the you. most, you're one of the most committed consultants that I have met because you don't work for money. You ask for nominal 
support. But you spend your days, your days in and out, thinking about how to get this country, take this country back from these communists, from these socialists, and from these these illegal citizens serving in our government, serving in our Congress, serving in our local elections, and they're not even citizens of this country. I'm an America first candidate, and it's my job to put America first. It is my job to protect Americans. When I take my oath of office, I will pledge to support and vehemently defend this Constitution of these United States. That's what every uh, America first candidate must do. You're not going to get there when a candidate is not from here. When a candidate is somewhere else, that loyalty is not here. The loyalty is over there with assimilation of that is over here when you know where a, where a person's heart is. Because you'll see that person out here fighting for fighting against these injustices, fighting against these consultants trying to take is uh, trying to put this country in the hands of these communists. So, no, Rick, not all consultants are equal, are committed to trying to make this country better. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think we talked about this about maybe four or five months ago. And uh, you kind of told me about what was going to what was going to happen. And uh, you and I both kind of agreed that it was it was potentially uh, I call it skullduggery. And skullduggery is, is when there's something totally unscrupulous uh, going on. And uh, not, not to call out any, any major details about this, uh, this, this other thing, but District 20 also had something kind of interesting happen right there in your, right there in your neighborhood. And uh, we'll have to save that for the Ruben Young Insider uh, group, which we will, we, will, we will be starting on your website here pretty soon, your own uh, sort of social media group that you're going to have that's away from uh, all these big tech uh, gurus. But I do want to add something that you mentioned. I want to thank you for the plug. Real People USA LLC. I am, I am in this because you and I met about maybe uh, two months before the last election. And I had no plans to do what I'm doing right now, but you and I were talking and I had no idea of of the, again, skullduggery, shenanigans by consultants, Democrat operatives posing as Republicans, people you know, doing this political thing, running for office for the money. I had no idea, Ruben, that this existed, but I want to say something. The reason why I'm doing this is because you remember when people used to say, we need to fix the country for our children and grandchildren. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, yes, I do. Okay, so I still here today. Before, these, before these communists really appeared and showed themselves, that statement of that statement of saving the country or fixing the country for our grandchildren and children now has change to fixing the country for us, for people still living, because these communist policies that are happening right now, it's not only going to affect or impact our children and grandchildren, but it's impacting the people now who are 50, 60 years old and 40 years old, people who thought that, OK, if I just save the country for my children and grandchildren, they'll be fine because the adults, the older adults thought they would be fine. 
And now you have these man, these band-aids about you know putting this poison in your arm, and then you have these people talking about losing your job if you don't get the mRNA uh, jab. So I got started with this because I want to protect my clients, my business clients. I'm a consultant on the business side. And I, I got started in this because not only do I want to save the country, but I'm trying to save myself. So I figured, well, you know, if I see some things that need to be fixed and, and things I can help people with my uh, corporate background, then why why shouldn't I jump in and, and try to help people? Because helping other people also helps me. So for people listening to this this podcast interview, I had no plans to ever do this. But I, after talking with you and learning about all this 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 garbage that's that's in this political thing, I thank God for the fact that you're not part of that. And that's the reason why I decided to work with you. And that has led me to work to find other people who, who feel the same way as you do. So here's my next question. OK, so, um, you know, you were talking about something that really bothered you that you were talking about something that really kind of and you know most people would say oh that's a major setback and what i'm talking about is this social media stuff this social media platform and you told me about something that happened recently to you and i want you to please describe what you have experienced with facebook okay so you know with the facebook you know after i came back home you know from Helping Ben Youngkin uh, get into the governorship, and I was uh, I was posting on my Facebook page uh, his win. I called the win uh, before he even won because of my uh, because of being out there. I, I was hearing how the people felt about him and how they was really really looking for change, and that change was in the air. And I started telling, you know, telling people on my Facebook page that uh, we're going to win with Youngkin. And then I posted a prayer and I prayed and I asked God to not allow the Democrats, especially those supervisors of elections and these canvassing boards, which I, which I believe we need to get rid of them. Because that's what, how we're losing a lot of our elections because uh, especially if they're Democrat, you know, these supervisors of election, they're supposed to be state constitutional officers. They're not supposed to uh, take on the identification of a party. They're supposed to be unbiased. They're supposed to be nonpartisan. But be as it may be in the world that we're in, a lot of them now are partisan. So they're going to do what they do best. It's like the snake that the man cared for and got the snake back uh, back in good health, got him back on his feet. And after he got well, he did what he normally would do. He, he, he bit the man. And when the man said, why did you bite me? He said, well, you knew I was a snake when you took me home, when you cared for me. You knew I'm a, I was a snake and that's what I do. And that's what they do, these Democratic supervisor elections. So be as it may, I, uh, I got taken off Facebook. I can no longer get into my Facebook, the one that I used for my campaign. And they uh, they went back and, and uh, the Mark Zuckerberg, I think that's why he changed the name. When he changed that name, he also probably blocked a lot of the Republicans. That was his way of doing what he did in 2020 uh, to try to uh, take advantage of hurt 
those candidates, those viable candidates uh, from winning, like he did President Trump, who's still the legal and lawful president of these United States of America because he won by appointment of electors by state legislatures. And that's what the law requires, which the law also says that the vice president and the presidency are only uh, in uh, 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 for natural-born Americans to run for. A naturalized citizen cannot be president, a vice president, like you see Kamala Harris in the position of vice president. She's a naturalized American. She's not a natural-born American, so she has no right to be vice president. But this it may... Um, I was banned off all of my social media. I was banned off my Twitter. I was banned off. I was uh, taken off my Instagram, and I was uh, taken off Facebook. Now, recently, I, I found a way of getting back on my Instagram, but it took me some figuring out. You know, I just turned sixty, so my brain, the mechanics of my brain, doesn't always work the way I would like for it to work when I was twenty-three. And I did the same thing. It took me a while to figure out how to get back on on uh, Twitter. But I wasn't able to do anything with uh, Facebook. But this is how the game is played. Uh, when they think that you you can't become a threat. Uh, Debbie Walker show, uh, she cannot beat me because I'm a campaigner. She's a cheater. He's going to rely on cheating. I'm going to rely on working. Uh, you know, I'm running on a petition, Rick. And uh, I've had so many of those petitions tossed discarded, destroyed, thrown out for whatever the reason, because they control they control the rules of the game. And I'm I'm not in a position to challenge them at this level because of the fact that they control the voters or the voters list or the voters role. So they can tell me where whether or not a signature match. Uh, they can tell me whether that person is a voter or not a voter. They control the system. I don't have access to that information. So I have to go along to, uh, to get along, and I have to not cry about it, but be about it, because that's what I do. I, I'm about be about it. I don't sit and cry like one of my opponents did when the media was talking about her family and talking about her, talking about her, and she broke out crying. You can't cry in this game. You got to take it on, a chin, on your chin. I'm glad to hold my chin up for America and for this country. So hit me, Democrat. I can care less what you do because for God I live and for God I die. So now I'm being told to drop out the race and find another seat because this same professional candidate who would really need the election just to raise money. Don't even live in the district, live in a place called Wellington. Got a big, fine house. Take the money that she received from donors, and she created a lifestyle. Cars, businesses, and, you know, real estate. I mean, living a good life, and I'm quite sure one day it's going to come out that she's working with Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and that she's not in this race to win it. She's in this race to keep other Republicans out. So it's been a journey for me. I've been walking this walk, talking this talk, saying the things I need to say now because if, if this election is going to boil down to who do you trust, and I want the voters to trust when I tell them something, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And I'm not perfect. I'm a patriot just like they are. But I'm going to tell you, I am no sellout. You can't, I don't love money, money like one of my opponents. She uh, is quoted as saying how much money she loves. She loves money. I'm not about that. I ain't never had none. The only thing I have running and going along with me, Rick, is that I got a big heart. So Facebook has been a journey. 
this whole experience has been a journey. Dealing with the establishment has been a journey. But for God, I live, Rick, and for God, I die. I hear you. I hear you. And just to give you some uh, a sense of solace and comfort, those 3,000 followers, man, man, that ain't nothing. There are 755,000, 800,000 uh, voters in your district. Man, forget about those 3,000 uh, followers in terms of what Facebook did to you. You can connect and we're going to connect as we move forward, effective November 15th. We're going to connect with far more than 3,000 followers. And guess what? These followers are going to live what in your district. These people are going to live in your district. <laughs> because some of those followers may live in, like, you know, Hawaii, or they may live in Argentina or something. They just like the, you know, your, 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 your images and, and things like that. Uh, and that's the big myth about social media. I have never, matter of fact, I think I told you today, I have maybe two or three social media accounts. They can kick me off right now. And it's not going to stop anything that I'm doing to help, you know, Republican candidates win. Because I already know that Facebook is in those these social media sites. They're less than 1% of the work. And work begins with the W uh, of the work that needs to be done. So, so here's my next question. Okay. So um, you mentioned that there in, in Broward and in Miami-Dade, there's some uh, election official, official skullduggery. And uh, I think we talked about maybe two months ago, some plans of uh, perhaps, you know, putting together a legal team. So I know we haven't really uh, uh, dealt, uh, uh, dealt with that a lot, but we have connected with some local attorneys in Miami-Dade and Broward. So just for a few minutes, just talk about, you know, some more of this skullduggery, some more of this leak, the illegal election officials that are perhaps trying to swing the election to someone else other than you. Okay, well, in Florida, they have a statute, I think in chapter 104. I don't know if it's 104.0615 or 104.051 or 104.35 or you know, there's a whole lot of statutes on Florida has uh, uh, in law. And one of the things that tells elected officials that they cannot uh, be engaging or supporting candidates for the purpose of trying to sway elections because they are already elected. So by them being elected, they come with a certain caveat of support. And when that those supporters see them with a candidate that's never run before, those reporters, those are supporters will lean towards supporting the, the, the candidate that they support. So therefore, that makes that an illegal act because they are now violating Florida election law. And because uh, uh, most, because our, most of our citizens are, are dummy down, they don't know the laws that these elected officials are violating, especially the practices that most of our supervisors of elections, uh, they're allowing to take place because they won't enforce anything. They don't give you bring it to their attention because their attention is not to enforce the law. Their attention to me allegedly is to allow them to break the law because as long as they believe that they are part of a partisanship, uh, mainly the uh, Democratic Party, since most of the supervisor elections of officials in this state, a lot of them are Democrats. So they do everything they can to 
so-called Democrats. I have to say it that way because they are constitutional officers. They're not supposed to be no, uh, recognized by party. And, uh, and you can find that in Florida statute, I think 100 point uh, 041, 100.051, 100.061. 100 Somewhere around there, it tells you about those positions in this state that are supposed to be nonpartisan. Nonpartisan, not partisan, nonpartisan. And it'll, it'll lay out the list of all those all those positions within this state that's not supposed to be identified by a political party. But this is the world we live in, so I'm advocating strongly in this state. And I'm advocating and talking to people, trying to get the conversation going because I was on this election thievery way back in 1990 when they stole elected, they stole the uh, position from me for Miami-Dade County Purple Court. I was 28 years old and uh, I was just starting my journey. And a commissioner by the name of Barbara Carey, she was the uh, canvassing board chair back in the in uh, 1980 and 1990. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Carlos Guy. He called me late night after the election and told me I was in the runoff. That was at 12 o'clock midnight. So when I closed my eyes and woke up, a gentleman by the name of Bill Oliver was in second place and I was in third place and they rewrote history. They changed the outcome. They changed my destiny. And from that point on, they've been doing everything they could. When, it, when I get in the race, they know that I have the drive, the determination, and the commitment to take on the establishment. And I do it with the, with five stones in a slingshot. I don't do it with much, much support. I do it with five stones in a slingshot because that's how much I care because my family, Rick, my family helped incorporate the city of Miami back in 1892, 1896. My family did that. That city charter has a lot of my family's signatures on, on it. Uh, so I have a, a, a devotion, a love for what I do. Um, my cousin is the late father, Theodore Gibson. He's in my family, on my daddy's side of the family. Esther Rose is in my family. Uh, the lady that used to be in the Jefferson, the Roker. I'm kin to the Rokers. The Ferguson, the Atlas, the Gibson, the Portier, uh, you name it. Uh, the Clays, uh, the, the, the Smiths. Uh, you name it, Rick. My family has a, a history starting off in England uh, with the Campbells, you know, with Lords and Dukes. You know, my family has a history. So when I'm out here, I carry that history with me. I think of all those people that are going out before me, and I can hear their voices saying, "We got to, we got to take this, get this thing back under control. We got to restore the family name, restore the family crest." So I believe in my heart that it's time to get rid of these local supervisors of elections. I've been fighting this fight since 1989-1990. And I am convinced that we don't need canvassing board, local canvassing board, because they're stacked with elected officials. And elected officials in Miami-Dade County, they protect other elected officials. They're, they're, they should have just regular uh, people on these canvassing boards, but they don't. They put all elected officials, judges, chief judges, and, uh, and, and chairman of commissions, and, uh, elected supervisors of uh, uh, elected supervisors of elections. The deck is all the, the deck is already stacked. So no matter whether you want you run from your heart and you run to win, if they don't want you in those seats, 
No matter how great of a campaign message you have, you're not going to get in there. It's like Al Capone. It's that gangster. You have Harvey Rubin, the clerk of court. He's supposed to be the person really overseeing these elections. If you go back to the original Constitution, the only two positions we had was the sheriff and the clerk of the court. And he allowed this to take place. He, he allowed this. This is the world that he allowed them to create. And the elected uh, congressional representative was the first position in this country to look after the people. And they have advocated, advocated their roles and duties and responsibilities, and they passed them on to these cities, they passed it on to the counties, and there's no longer checks and balance in their end. And so forth, the people suffer. The people suffer each and every day asking God for an answer, asking God to rescue them, Rick. So therefore, here I am running in this seat because I want to make a difference. And so we can so we can write legislation that brings this country back on the law and order and, and, and make these people they're supposed to be our check and balances. Make them and hold them responsible for the damage that they have caused to the United States of America. Excellent, excellent response. I'll tell you what, uh, real soon we're going to have an attorney join you on a podcast episode and talk about uh, the, the election laws that they're violating. And this attorney has a lot of experience. And I'm so thankful that I reached out to, to this attorney as well as some other people there in uh, South Florida. Also, I want to mention and, and let the listeners know that the, one of the great things about the Youngkin victory, the Youngkin and Winsome Sears uh, victory, is the voters overwhelmingly voted for Youngkin. And I know just from being in corporate America, when you have an overwhelming number of supporters who want to see you win, Sometimes these cheating systems cannot uh, cannot stand. In other words, these cheating systems blow up uh, in the hands of the cheaters. Uh, and that's uh, something that happens uh, rarely. But I tell you what, it happened in Virginia. And it's also it also can happen there in Miami-Dade. So here's my uh, I got like maybe one or two more questions to ask. So and it kind of goes along with the with what happened in Virginia. So and I'm going to say something. It's kind of like a question, but it's really a long question because I want to I want to set you up properly. So what voting trends are you seeing over the last few months after seeing Youngkin's success and other political victories in places like Seattle, like I mentioned, in San Francisco? And what about the New York? I mean, the New Jersey truck driver who defeated a 17 year state legislator who was a veteran and he only he only spent $150 in his campaign and and the number of communist school boards and city councils who are being run out of office almost like with the shirts on their backs <laughs> almost how you know so a lot of these um, these victories are coming almost it's almost like Jesus turning over the tables in the temple and saying enough is enough we're tired of the corruption we're, we're tired of the, the skullduggery. We're tired of people cheating. We, we're tired of, of uh, Democrat operatives posing as Republicans. So that's like almost the last question I have. But what kind of trends are you seeing in the neighborhood uh, there in, in District 23? Because uh, I know you're working with someone right now and you're out there, you know, 
uh, helping helping a friend of yours. What are you seeing out there, Ruben? Okay, so one of the things I'm, I'm seeing, uh, people, uh, they, they, they really want to find somebody who will now stand up for them. A lot of the black Democrats who've been lied to, who've been abused, used, uh, who have been put in positions where they can't, uh, if they're a small business, they cannot make in meat. So they, they want some uh, champion. They're looking for a champion. Uh, they've tried the rest. Now they want to try the best. I mean, especially where in in the race where I've been helping a friend of mine. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, they are caught up on uh, political partisanship or partyship. They're not caught up on citizenship. And when it comes down to it, you know, we're allowing political parties to divide our country. The first thing when a person hears that you are a Republican, they turn their nose up. But Republicans don't turn our nose up to a Democrat. Um, a lot of my family members are Democrats. A lot of my friends are Democrats. A lot of the people have have very good relationships are Democrats. But 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 I'm more focused on citizenship versus non-citizenship. And when we start making this uh, political party censored. Instead of citizenship censored, we're allowing this country to be improperly influenced by non-citizens because they don't have to identify whether they are a citizen of the United States or a citizen of another country. They can simply come under the umbrella and and get through the process, circumvent the process by saying whether or not they either Democrat or Republican because it is now unpopular. It is now unpopular to ask a person what their citizenship status is. They're telling you that it's illegal and unlawful to ask a person what their citizenship status. And this is where the division is coming in. So what this is what I see. You know, we have a race right now where you have, to me, unless a person can prove their citizenship, we have a lot of people who are running in races from other countries. And they're running in seats from uh, being citizens of other countries because there's no re- no identification uh, or political proof that they are citizens of this country. And we're allowing them to run in elections. And we can't do that in other countries. And so I'm seeing, I'm hearing these type of conversations. I'm hearing people saying, when are we going to elect people that's going to look after the wholeness of a district or a municipality or a county government. So uh, there's a definite need for some type of uh, supernatural change. And you made reference to Jesus turning over over tables and saying that enough is enough. But, you know, be not amazed because I'm going to tell you something. God is not mocked for whatever mm-hmm. man soweth. That shall he also reap. And we're setting this country up for some dangerous precedents. Because when you allow non-citizens to enter into your government, the credentials of your government, the legalities of your government becomes the illegal form of government. It becomes a de facto government. That means because of the illegitimacy of the Biden presidency, because he did not win the way the Constitution established. 
you know, for him to win, then nothing he nothing he signs can be supreme law of the land. The only signature that makes that supreme law of the land is Donald Trump, because Donald Trump was won. He won the way the Constitution required the Constitution required him to run to 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 to, to run the country to win. He did that. It, it, it should not have been on the popular vote. It should have been on the electoral vote, and he won on the, elect- the electoral vote, and the rest of the country overthrew his presidency by changing the rules of the game. I don't care even if they say that was a so-called insurrection. It was not an insurrection, but even if it was an insurrection, the Constitution still should have been performed. The things that the Constitution says in 3 U.S.C. 1 through 15 should have been adhered to. What the Constitution says in the Electoral Vote Count Act of 1877 and 1887 should have been adhered to. What the Constitution says in the 12th Amendment should have been obeyed and adhered to. So I don't care what they say, because when you are in the military and talking about being the commander in chief, orders are handed down, not up. There's a standard of conduct that is laid out in the Uniform Code of of Military Justice. There's a code of conduct that's laid forth in the Constitution. And people in black communities, in black areas, they're getting sick and tired of being overlooked and being stepped on. The Democratic Party have misused, mistreated, abused black people. For years, the resources are secondary. When resources come down, which this is what this is about, it's the redistribution of wealth. The resources that come down from our federal government to our state government to our local government is being intercepted when it comes to the black community. Now, that's not who I am going to put my focus will be on when I'm elected. It would be in part because I want to see that I want to see the district healthy across the board. But I'm going to particularly focus on those areas of neglect and abandonment. Those are the areas that we need to lift the equality and the standard life. We raise it up and make all things equal. Therefore, you can eliminate some of the problems that we have in these inner city communities because the resources, the opportunities are there, and people don't, it don't have to spill over into other areas. So we need to figure out, and this is what I'm hearing in the community and the efforts that I'm putting forth here. Because I'm going to tell you something, Rick, I don't know if you know this, but Democrats eat their own. Mm-hmm. If they have a Democratic, if they have a Democratic candidate that's equally qualified, to do a job, but they don't want that candidate, and they want a, 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 a candidate of less than an immoral candidate. They want this immoral person to serve them, and not the person who's been there the most. They want a person that would look them in their eyes and tell them a lie, not somebody who's gonna speak the truth, because they're so corrupt, because the redistribution of the money, the way they do this, and when I used to be a union rep, I used to sit at the table of negotiation. They said you never open up a contract without the other side having the opportunity to open up the contract. If it's not broken, don't try to fix it. And when you have them uh, uh, renegotiating terms where, when they, they, where there was no opening of a contract, like trying to sell a cemetery, and then trying to have an estate send you information saying that uh, they don't have any jurisdiction when that's not true. 
you know, it's just wordplay, but that's why you have to know how to read, how to interpret the law. Everybody in this district needs to know the law. Everybody in this district needs to know the code. Everybody in District 23 needs to know what their rights are, needs to know whether or not their civil liberties are violated. Are violated. So I'm telling you, Rick, the experience that I am given, I am thanking God each and every day that he allowed me to meet you, that he allowed me to meet, uh, her name is Terry William and uh, Terry and William Eddie. She's running for a state seat, a seat that she won, that they cheated her out of last year. And now she's running again and they're trying to cheat her again. This is how they play the game. And that's why I think we need to get rid of Joe Scott. We need to get rid of Christina White. Because they're going around saying they are Democrats. And the state constitution says they are state constitutional officers. They're, they're not recognized by their partisanship, partisanship or their non-partisanship, Rick. So mm-hmm. it's a good, great experience. And I hope that we are able to make a change and bring this home uh, for this country. Man, I tell you what, man, you hit on a lot of things, man, especially with this uh, election officials. Uh, corruption and hopefully uh, the attorney that we're going to talk to and and have a has a, and have as a guest by the way in a couple of days or maybe like about one or two weeks uh, we should be able to learn more about how to fix that. I also want to mention, based on what you said, is that a lot of uh, voters, uh, Republicans and Democrats, who are seeing the light and who have been affected negatively by all of these shutdowns and lockdowns and passports and 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 jabs and all this kind of stuff what i'm seeing ruben they are starting to reject these institutional politicians with these ties to corporations in china Uh, and i think we need to give credit to president trump because he set the tone and he sent out the alarm to voters that some republicans are not putting america first they're not putting the american people first the American people will, will be forever grateful to President Trump for exposing these deep state politicians. And, uh, and even these politicians are also in the Republican Party, we're finding out. You see, Reuben, voters are no longer looking at politicians who look good, who smell good, who have you know good hair, who may able, they may be, be able to con the last few dollars from a struggling family of five who cannot afford to donate. But they feel they feel sorry or they feel like they're, they're committed to this lying GOP politician and they think that this lying GOP politician is going to work for their best interests. And then they find out that this lying Republican GOP politician does, does not have their best interests. So that's what I mean by when I say Americans have had enough. And I believe like here on the West Coast. You know, you're going to see so many Democrats now going to start voting for Republican. Even my son, who works in the, he's like an engineer type, and even he has seen the light. He was kind of like halfway between uh, Republican and Democrat, but how he has been impacted in his job as a as a te- as a, uh, a techie, he has now seen the light. And I can tell you what, my my son, who's who's almost 25 years old. He's never going to vote Democrat again after what he's been through as a recent college graduate, thinking he's going to start his life, you know, with the with the almost six figure income, thinking he's going to do well and, and just do his own thing down in Los Angeles. His world has been rocked 
by the Democrat Party. So in closing, Mr. Ruben Young, how are you feeling with 12 months left before the 2022 election? And I want to add this. Okay, all the things that you've been going through in the last, you know, probably five or six months, there's still 12 months left. Why are people coming at you when there's still like almost 12 months left before the election? Do you think that these people are like kind of worried about Ruben Young? Take it away, brother. Well, well, they, well uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but they, they, they know I have a better background when it comes to the legislative process. They know I have a better understanding when it comes to interpreting our laws. They know that I, have, I understand the Constitution. They know that I'm a citizen. And the person that's in this race, this Carlos Baldwin, she's not an American citizen. But yet still, they, there's some there's some master plan being put in place because you've seen this taking, they, you've seen them do this all over the country. They're dealing, uh, they're, they're making the United States an illegitimate country or de facto government so where nothing that we do can actually pass because they're filling these seats with non-citizens. And so, you know, we, we have to rise up. So I think that they're worried. Now, they know, I don't, they know my, my energy. They know I ran against another do-nothing Democrat by the name of Harvey Rubin. And I ran with him in this district. And I didn't have but, what, I spent about $17,000. $17, and I got 2278088 votes. I got way more votes than Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And I got way more votes than... Uh, this uh, Carlos Spalding, and I've been out here way before Carlos Spalding. I've been on this since 1989. Before that was a Carlos Spalding, that was a Ruben Young because I set up the first organization, leadership development organization called Black Organizing Leadership Development, where I I contacted since 1990. I've been at the for, forefront of interacting with a lot of different leaders across this country, not just in this country, but outside this country, trying to bring this thing home, trying to make life, make human rights available to everybody because it's not, it does not make sense for us to continue this inequality in America or in the United States. So they know I have a, a better foundation. They know I work for the Florida House of Legislature. They know I was a legislative uh, aide, a district manager. They know I have what she does not have. They know that I went to a university called Faulkner University, which was an actual university, and I did not get any degree from the University of Phoenix that was caught up in a scandal about giving these old fraudulent degrees out to their students. They know that I'm more solid with my commitment. They know that I don't focus on whether I have money or not, and they know that I live here and not somewhere else. So they have to be worried about me. That's why they're, they're putting all these things out, going into my background, trying to find a way of poking holes in me, which, you know, I'm not going to run from my past. I tell everybody I'm not perfect. I'm just a patriot, but I'm no sell. You cannot get me to sell you out. I would not sell this district out, and I would not sell the people of the United States out because my vote is just as equally important. When I cast my vote in, uh, in Miami for Miami, Dade and Broward, I'm also casting out my vote for New York and New Jersey. Absolutely. So absolutely. I'm asking folks, come out, support me, go to my website, ryoungforcongress.com. Give me your contribution. Subscribe to my website. St stick with me in the primary. Tell all your family and friends to take me through that primary so I can take on Moby Dick herself, which is Debbie Wasserman show. Exactly, exactly. And again, I want to, I'm, I'm just tickled to death about 
the fact that you may have less than, you know, maybe 1% of what uh, other people have in donations, yet we are 12 months away from from the election and they're acting like you're, you're within like three to six months of uh, of the election date. So I think that's, that's just Tell hilarious. Tell me we got the rate. <laughs> Say Tell me got the rate. Tell me we got the rate. Yeah. So, so anyway, Reuben Young, uh, Republican candidate, District 23, running for Congress. I want to thank you for your time today. Make it a great night. And again, his website is ryoungforcongress.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've been a, a, a great, great guest. And I tell you what, November 15th is two days away. And now it's time for our second win. Have a nice night.